Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I Was grace that taught my heart to fear, and grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear? The I first. Chains are gone. I've been set free. My God, my Savior has ransomed me. And like a flood, His mercy reigns. Unending love, amazing grace.
sermon this morning is from no other than a mighty, mighty woman of God, the God of grace. And this morning, our speaker will be none other than Cheryl Powell. Bless God. You know, I want to do something a little different. We can't pray too much, eh? I'm going to do something a little unorthodox. I'm going to ask us, all of us who are online, wherever we are, as long as you're listening and you're hearing my voice, if you could just raise your hands and say this prayer after me, but not just repeat it after me, but to pray this prayer to the Lord as we come to hear from him. So, my desire, dear Lord, my desire is to hear from you. Jesus, block out all distractions so I may listen and respond to your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this morning, I want us to, I'm just going to have a conversation, not a preacher, as you will have recognized, but just a disciple and sharing with you, sharing with you this morning. And I was excited when Pastor Eva told me that the month of January, the theme was grace. Because as you will realize by now, we can't finish grace. It is just so abundant. So we do, I just bless God for that. And it has been such a blessing to me. I have had the privilege of listening to the past two um, sharings, sermons. Not necessarily in the whole service, but I listened to the sermons. And I just want to do a quick recap just a little synopsis of what I got out of both. And then I'll begin what the Lord has placed on my heart to share today. So Karen shared the first week on the saving grace, on, on the sea of grace. The sea of grace. And she spoke about God's saving grace. When we recognize our sinfulness and he saves us and we inherit salvation. We become new. He reminded us of God's enduring grace, that grace which is always there to make us reach that final destination in good standing. That grace that when we fall, we can get up, brush ourselves off and go on again that grace that is available to us. That grace, which because we know it is available, we don't take it for granted and keep sinning. But we are motivated because we so love the Lord that we know that grace is there, that in the event we fall, we can come and we can Go to that grace. We can bask in that grace, that enduring grace of forgiveness so that we can move on and keep growing. 
Last week, Pastor Bolt spoke on God, the wonders of God's grace. And he said, we achieve because of his grace. We can't do anything but for his grace. I remember him making a saying, one line he said that evil is real and it is there, but God is all sufficient. His grace is sufficient. We recognize that our weakness has more potential to glorify God than our strength. That as we comply with his will and his grace, his grace will manifest in our lives. But we have to comply. We have to decide that, yes, Lord, I'm following you. So this week, I believe the Lord wants to draw attention or focus on the grace of God. To, to zero in on what is this grace and who is this grace. And I would dare to say, I would want to say, God of grace, Jesus Christ himself. This week I want us to, the goal is to recognize God's gift of grace to us, Jesus. To recognize that because Jesus came, lived among us, and died for us, he qualifies to be our grace giver and sustainer. Hence, our imperative to receive and utilize this grace. Interestingly, brothers and sisters, our text for today is Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, which by now I suppose you know by heart. I was not aware that this was your verse for the, for the month. But this is the verse from, I was told about the topic that I got stuck on. Hebrews 14, 14 to 16. And it has really ministered to me. And I want to share with us today, with you today, what I have gotten out of it. What the Holy Spirit has given me out of this verse. Pretty much going to dissect the verse today. So we may know it by heart, some of us, by now, but today we're going to stop and we're going to look into the verse, the, the, the passage of scripture, I should say, because it's more than one verse. And I read again from the NIV, Hebrews 4, 14 to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in every way as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us approach the throne of grace with boldness, so we may receive mercy and grace to help us in time of need. And you know, when I read this, I, I think I'm a kind of, I would want to think of myself as a methodical, for not, perhaps not in all sense of the word, but I, I, take, I like to do things 
in steps, take things in steps. So when I read this, the first thing I wanted to know is who is a high priest? Because a lot of times we read the scriptures and we just run over things. And we just tell ourselves, oh yes, it means, you know, whatever. But I want us to examine this morning who a high priest is so that we can read more appreciate where the, the text is coming from. Hebrews itself tells us who a high priest is. We don't even have to go into the Old Testament. Hebrews 5, the next chapter, verses 1 through to 4, tells us every high priest is selected from among men and is appointed to represent them in matters related to God, to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with those who are ignorant and are going astray, since he himself is subject to weakness. This is why he has to offer sacrifices for his own sins, as well as for the sins of the people. No one takes this upon himself. He must be called by God, just as Aaron was. So Christ also did not take upon himself the glory of becoming a high priest. So, let us do a quick, quickly dissect this verse and see what it is saying to us. Who is a high priest? One, it is God who makes the selection of high priests. Secondly, God selects such a person from among the human population. Take very careful note of that. Thirdly, their purpose is to represent men and women before God. And a high priest also offers gifts and sacrifices for his sins and for the sins of men and women. That's what this verse tells, this passage tells us, which I just read, Hebrews 5, 1 to 4. And this I added from information from the Old Testament. Animals were sacrificed then. Animals' blood was shed for the sins of men and women. And we always say Jesus Christ the same yesterday is the same, you know, yesterday, today, and forever. God's principles don't change. And so in Hebrews 4, 12 to 13, our text, Jesus is, is presented to us as our high priest. Let us see if he fits the bill. That this is what a high priest does. So, the text we read earlier, Hebrews 4 said, God appointed him. I really should, I should have had this on the board, eh? It would be more impactful, but we will work with it. If you have your, your Bibles, you can look with me. But secondly, he sent him to earth in the flesh to dwell among us. And how we know that, Matthew 1, 21 says, a virgin will give birth to a child. And in verse 23, it also says, and will give birth to a son and they shall call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. So God appointed Jesus first. And secondly, he sent him to dwell among us, fulfilling those top two that I told you about, as it were before in the old, under the old covenant. Thirdly, Jesus Christ's purpose is to represent men and women before God. In Matthew 1, 21, again, it says, 
she will give birth to a son and you are to call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sin. That's why he came. He was sent. And fourthly, Jesus sacrificed his life. Jesus was a lamb in our place, not bulls, goats, but Jesus. John 1, 29 says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, behold the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So I painted that picture, brothers and sisters, for us to see that under the old covenant, when God talks about a high priest, and in the new, in the new covenant, he refers to a high priest, the responsibilities of a high priest, how you became a high priest, and how Jesus was made high priest. So when we refer to Jesus as high priest and we sing those songs about the high priest, we have a greater appreciation for who he is and for why he came. So Jesus is our high priest. Jesus came to dwell among us. Jesus came to die and to make atonement for us. We look briefly at what happened under the old covenant, the law, the provision God made for sin. And we have compared it to the provision God has made today. The provision for the atonement of sin in the person of Jesus Christ. John 1.17 summarizes it. For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. Hallelujah. Grace. What's grace? You've been hearing it from week one. The unmerited, unlimited favor of God. The inexhaustible supply of God's goodness that continuously brings his favor to his people. Doing for us what we can't do for ourselves. That's grace. And all that is embodied in Jesus Christ. All that is embodied. So we have established Jesus as our high priest, the one sent by God to atone for my sins and yours. It's a once for all. Under the old covenant, the atonement was a repeated action. Jesus was once for all time and for everyone, whether you're born today, yesterday, or to come. It atones for all time and for everyone. Now the verse continues. Let's look at the other section of the verse. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. What was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus tempted as me? One may ask, yes, he was. He was all human. So he suffered just like us. You know, I would want us this morning to enter into some of those situations. And I'm asking you to come into those scenes with me. I'm going to read three, three 
um, passages of scriptures, and I want you to follow with me in your mind's eye. Put yourself in the situation because that's what we are here to do today. We are recognizing, we are looking at Jesus, our high priest, the one who came as the one to represent us before God. And he came in human form and he suffered like us. How so? Some of us may ask, how can he, re how can he relate to me? I relate to him. He's God. We're going to look on some of those instances. And we're going to see what, who God is to us. Number one, we're going to look at Luke 4, verses 1 through to 12. And I'll read it for you. You can follow through. But while I read it, think about this while I read it. Think about this scenario in your life. Have you ever had a season in your life where it was outright war and battle? Have you ever felt that life is out to get you? It's like everywhere you turn, there is trouble. Every door you open is disaster. It's like a season of shutting with the enemy himself. If you've ever been there, Jesus, our Lord, faced the very same thing. Luke 4, verses 1 through to 12 says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live on bread alone. The devil led him up a high and place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered. It is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Folks, Jesus was led into the wilderness by the spirit for 40 days to be tempted by the devil and he ate nothing and was hungry. He was tempted for all of 40 days. He was hungry. But as the darts were being thrown at him, he extinguished them with the word. Can you put yourself in that story for a moment? Have you ever been hungry? Don't you find yourself most vulnerable at those times? If you can't recall real hunger, remember Esau, who sold his birthright to his brother Jacob for food? He was hungry. And at that time, nothing else mattered. His thinking 
his reasoning was altered. Nothing else mattered but to satisfy the moment of hunger. The food smelled so good. All he wanted was the food. So what? It was nothing for him to give his birthright away in a whim, just to fill his belly. Have you ever found yourself in a situation like that? Let's get back to our story. The devil kept coming and coming and only left thinking that he will return at another time. Jesus could have folded then, but he didn't. If you or I were in that situation, how would we have feared? If we yielded, we or our friends and family would even justify our yielding given all the pressures coming at us. Think about it. It does get coming and coming. Hello? Yes, we're hearing you. Are you hearing me? Okay, Sharon. We're hearing you. Sorry about that. It just kept coming and coming. Pressure after pressure after pressure. Remember the question I asked? Outright war, battle. Feeling hemmed in at every side, every way you turn is trouble. Some of us have been there. Well, Jesus has been there. Jesus has been there. Our high priest has been there. Let's look again at another scenario. Have you ever felt overwhelmed? Out of your depth? Afraid, distressed, alone. Well, our high priest, Jesus Christ, has been there, done that. Let's look at Mark 14, 32 to 36. And as I read it, think of this. Overwhelmed, out of your depth, afraid, distressed, alone. Put yourself in the scenario. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He said, stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Vahada, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet, not what I will, but what you will. How about you today? You get a doctor's report that sounds like a death sentence. Your worst fears have caught up with you. Your child is sick, has passed. You lost your job. You are in a job that is worse than hell itself, but you try to endure because the bills must be paid. And it's not even paying all the bills. Distressed, overwhelmed, pressed in on every side. Jesus faced it too. 
Jesus also faced the lies, the misunderstanding. He was mocked, jeered, and ridiculed. Have you ever been in a situation like that? Think about those things as I read this scenario. Matthew 26, 59 to 61. This is from the Message Bible. The high priest conspiring with the Jewish council tried to cook up charges against Jesus in order to sentence him to death. But even though many stepped up, making up one false accusation after another, nothing was believable. Finally, two men came forward with this. He said, he said, I can tear down this temple of God and after three days we build it. And at, the, at that, the chief priest lost his temper, ripping his robes, yelling, he blasphemed. Why do we need witnesses to accuse him? You all heard him blaspheme. Are you going to stand for such blasphemy? They all said, death, that seals his death sentence. Then they were spitting in his face and banging him around, they jeered as they slapped him. Prophesy, Messiah, who hit you that time? Put yourself in that scenario. In Jamaica, we say the good you do, the thanks you get. Don't we all find ourselves in situations like this sometimes? When our children turn against us, when all our intention was for good, it's hard to swallow, don't it? The boss blatantly represent, misrepresent you to his superior so you get demoted, or even worse, get fired. Did your colleague misrepresent you and it's so blatant it blows your mind and you feel you have every right to retaliate or just cut them off? And who can justify being spat upon and not react to it? Nothing seems more degrading than being spat upon by another human being. But brothers and sisters, Jesus endured all that to prove to satisfy the conditions of being our high priest. Let's get back to our passage of scripture. It reads, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can be confident because we know Christ is qualified. Who does not want to know that the person you are entrusting your life or business to is qualified? But the scripture says to approach the throne it will not do us any good if our confidence does not cause us to move towards the grace. With confidence comes action. Talking about it or wishing for it won't cut it. 
we need action. There must be a deliberate move towards it. Let's consider this scenario in the light of what we just discussed. John gets a report that he has stage two cancer. What he's told is not to worry. The doctors can fix him. He gets some recommendations. Doc A has been around for over 20 years and specializes in that field. Many have come to him with even stage four cancer and by his prowess and expertise, they have been healed. In fact, Dr. A is the head of the Cancer Research Center and the Cancer Care Unit at the hospital. So that's the first recommendation. The second one is Dr. B, who is a young and bright, young and bright, graduated at the top of his class from an Ivy League university. He started working at the unit a year ago and he's currently understudying, understudying Dr. A. <clears throat> young and promising man. You are told you are free to choose your caregiver. Which would you choose? How confident would you be in the ability of the doctor to attend to you? And what criteria would you use to make this decision? I know who I would want. I would choose. I would definitely go with Dr. A because I prefer experience. I prefer to know that this one, if something should not go so straight as they planned it, because of his experience, he will know how to, to navigate and how to go to plan B versus the young bright one who is going straight out of the book, straight from the book and don't have enough experience. He may get through, but I have more confidence in the one with the experience. That's confidence. But listen, armed with the information, John has to make a choice. Choose a doctor with a chance to get well, or don't choose any doctor. Might be out of fear, indecision, whatever it is. And the cancer, if he, um, <clears throat> If he doesn't choose a doctor, I'm sorry, whether out of fear or indecision, whatever might be his reason for not choosing the doctor, the cancer may possibly kill him, probably sooner than later. Whichever route he takes though, whether he chooses one or not, he would have made a decision and he would have to stand the consequences or results of that decision. But say John decides to choose Dr. A based on the information he got. He feels confident he's the guy. He couldn't leave it at that. He needs to take another step. John needs to engage him. He needs to sign whatever agreement and pay the funds to leave you know, pay his, because I'm sure you're going to a hospital, you have to even make a down payment if you don't pay everything. And then he has to make arrangement to go to the hospital. 
and he has to sign papers to leave himself in the care of this man or woman. And he has to relinquish all his faith in this person, all his trust, because naturally they're gonna put him under as we know it. You give it up, you give up everything. He could not be, um, you know, not sleeping and they're instructing the doctor looking what you're doing. They had to put him to sleep, one, because of course, whatever they're doing is gonna be painful. And two, he can't be there wide awake while the doctor is doing their thing. He has to leave it up to him. He has to entrust him with his life. The doctor has to do for John what he can't do for himself. He does for him what he knows is best. He does for him what he is experienced to do. Isn't it the same with Jesus, our high priest? We see where he is more than qualified to be our grace giver. He knows what you are going through. He knows how you feel. And he knows what you need. But having that truth is not enough. There is another step. We have to approach the throne of grace. We have to move towards. We have to take hold of the offer. It's an invitation to take hold of the grace. First Peter 5, 7 says, cast your care upon him because he cares for you. What an invitation. What a provision. Do you see yourself in any of these scenarios today? Have you experienced Christ's saving grace and still find yourself going through the battles, going through the seasons where you feel as if God is not around, feeling totally overwhelmed, out of your depth, this COVID year that has passed and we are still going through it in 2021 looks like it's getting worse. God, when is it going to end? Where are you, God? Where are you, Lord? Have we been lied on, misunderstood, mocked, jeered, ridiculed? Have we been in situations where I don't deserve this? Look what I do. I don't deserve this. Why is this happening to me? Have we been tempted to throw in the towel because it's just too much? I'm here to remind you this morning of who Jesus is. Jesus is the grace to help in your time of need. I'm asking you, who has tasted of God's salvation? Who has said yes to him? I'm speaking to you. Remind yourself 
of who your Jesus is, your Lord is. Read the scriptures and be encouraged that nothing can befall you, that his grace is not sufficient to sustain. You will find, like the Apostle Paul, you can say, therefore I will boast all more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why for Christ's sake I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Why can Paul say that when I am weak, then I am strong? It don't make sense. Just so. But it makes sense in the light of Christ's grace. It makes sense in the light of our high priest walking alongside us because of his all-sufficiency, ever-present reservoir of grace. He's there to sustain us. Let us never forget who our Lord is. He walks along, alongside us day in, day out. He makes himself available to us. We just need to take of it, reach out. There is grace sufficient for us. And today, are you listening? Those listening who have not taken advantage of this grace, the saving grace. You don't know what it is, who this Jesus is, who this grace giver is. Christ invites you to lay down the burden and follow him. He knows the way through the wilderness and all you have to do is follow. You know, there's nowhere in the Bible where you read that life is easy from the Old to the New Testament, and as I've shown you before, and that is just a tip of the iceberg, just reading the, the, um, the Gospels alone where Jesus is concerned, a tip of the iceberg. And of course, we didn't hear everything. We didn't get everything in the Bible, but we get a, got an idea. And there are so many instances where we know that life, was not displayed as easy. But the difference is when we come to Jesus, when we take on this grace, we are guaranteed that we will experience the love, the peace, and power over our circumstances. John 16, 33 tells us, I have told you these things that in me you may have peace. Jesus Christ himself said this. In this life, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. How could he have said this if he himself didn't come, live among us, and experienced what we experienced. He is qualified friends. He has overcome so we can too. 
the word of God in 2 Peter 1, 3 tells us that his divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness. What an assurance. Christ has made every provision for us to walk in grace. Will you relinquish your whole today? Trust the God who knows and say yes to grace. Say yes to the unmerited, unlimited favor of God. The inexhaustible supply of God's goodness that continuously brings his favor to you. Doing for you, doing for me what we can't do for ourselves. And I, I'm asking if you could just indulge me for a minute and close your eyes. Just for a moment. If you could close your eyes. And I'm gonna ask you to look in your mind's eye. Just imagine, just paint a picture in your mind's eye. And as I tell you what to imagine, or the picture to paint, you do, you do it. I would love if you could establish someone standing with a package in their hand. Just imagine someone in a room standing with a package in their hand, outstretched. And that person is looking intently. They're standing with a package in their hand, outstretched and looking intently. Someone is lying in a bed. Move from that scenario and place someone lying in a bed in a hospital. You know, a single bed or what we call a twin bed. But it's a hospital scene, just one person lying on a bed. Picture the person lying on their back. And they are all connected with the tubes. You know how the hospital scene is. Typical hospital scene. But the person's eyes are closed. But they are awake and conscious. Now, imagine that that person standing with the package is Jesus. And the person on the bed is you. And Jesus is looking intently on you. And Jesus begins to speak. And he said, Cheryl, I have brought grace for you today. I thought about you before you were in this condition. I have provided and I'm still providing for your salvation, healing, peace of mind, joy, forgiveness, overcoming power, because I know you can't do it on your own. I have made provision and it's all in this package that I have brought for you. All you have to do 
is accept the offer and take the gift. And you open your eyes. You turn your head in his direction. And you look at Jesus standing there. And you slowly turn your head and body away in the upper direction. In other words, you turn your back on him. Is that you today? Whether you are a Christian, already you have salvation, or whether you have not had salvation yet at every stage of our lives, we fail in accessing this grace. We fail in accessing all that Jesus has bought for us. I close with the same passage of scripture this time, but from the Message Bible. If we could just listen. Now that we know that we have Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let's not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality. He's been through weaknesses and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk up to him and get what he's ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help. Amen. Amen.